The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you. Hello, Fire Whiskers. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Debt of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. And try to stay on topic. Which is easier said than done. Without further ado, here's this week's chapter of The Debt of Time. Good morning, Starshine. The Earth says hello. What? <laughs> okay. Just making sure you had no idea what I was talking about. Um, So, and this should be the last time we bring up the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing because hopefully the jury will decide it today. But as a result of watching so many of these, the algorithm on Facebook knows that I am watching these. And so now all I get is old Johnny Depp videos. And uh, one was him talking about um, filming Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And, you know, he said, obviously, Tim Burton hired him because it was a Tim Burton movie. So, like, what is a Tim Burton movie without Johnny Depp, Helena Bonham Carter, and Danny Elfman composing? But, uh I mean, you get those four and you've got an instant hit. But uh, he was talking about how, you know, he walked onto the set for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Johnny Depp kind of talks like this, and he's sort of got a deep voice, and he said he walked onto set, and he saw Tim, and he just went, hello, Starshine, the Earth says hello, and even Tim was like, wow, and I was like, I think I only ever saw that movie once in theaters, because I was such a fan of the Gene Wilder movie that I really struggled to like the Johnny Depp movie. And so I decided to rewatch it with open eyes and no judgment and just be like, I'm going to watch this to enjoy it as a standalone movie and not compare it to Gene Wilder. And it's actually quite good. But he does, he is playing a very awkward introvert. And in the movie, he says, good morning, starshine. The earth says hello. And I get, which I think is a lyric from a song, but I've just, I've seen that video now where he's doing the interview. I've seen it probably like 15 times just because it keeps popping up in the algorithm. And so I wanted to start with that because it lives rent free in my head. And that is now how I wake up my child every morning. Okay. Good morning, starshine. The earth says hello. And I do say it like weird like that. It's fun. Uh, speaking of. I have been reliving all of my favorite childhood snacks as a result of now having a child. And so I am going to ask a very important question, Kat. Chocolate Teddy Grahams or Honey Teddy Grahams? Well, you know, I am very indecisive and I like all things. So I actually liked both. Like, I don't discriminate against flavors usually. So I like both. In case anyone was wondering, I have chocolate Teddy Grahams. Also, um, I have decided that both Hannah Beth and HB take too long to say, so I have shortened her name to something incredibly Texan, and I'm going to just call her H. 
heb. Which is funny because I actually think people and pronounce the grocery store H-E-B, but I'm just going to call it, I have always called it Heb because I only ever read it on the internet because I don't live in Texas. So Heb, she's going to hate it and is going to nix it as soon as she gets onto the podcast, but she's not recording with us tonight, so she gets to live with it for this episode. Um, also, something horrible happened in Texas. We are not going to talk about it because I don't think I can without absolutely losing it. But we do, as always, acknowledge the horrible things happening in our world. So we are acknowledging it. And that is about as much as I am able to say. Because I'm already starting to choke up. So. By the way, this is going to be a really hard episode for us to do. Because, like, you froze and I all I heard was, like, you changed HB's name, and then I heard something about Heb and how she's going to hate it, and then you started talking about Texas. So this is going to be fun. So in hopes of bringing some much-needed joy and lightness into the current world, we are going to dive right into what had happened was... What had happened was... So... Remus met Hermione's parents. Can you say awkward? (laughs) (laughs) Awkward. Very, very awkward. But, like, other than that, the only, like, really other eventful thing that happened was when Remus tried to break up with Tonks and she was like, nope, not gonna happen. And he was like, but I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this. And she's like, I don't care. Like, I I really don't care. And he's like, but, but, and she's like, nope, not going to happen. And then they basically tried to get it on and they were getting all hot and heavy. And then Remus was like, peace out. And just left Tonks just hanging there, which I did not appreciate. Yes. So normally we are very much into, um, you know, bodily autonomy and relationship autonomy and, you should be able to break up with somebody without them rejecting your breakup. But in this case, they're literal mates. All he's doing is hurting both of them. And he's doing it for a bullshit reason that he doesn't need to. And he clearly doesn't actually want to. So yes, we are going to support Tonks in her refusal to break up with him. Um, And also she was, I think, purposefully trying to get him hot and heavy so that he would bite her and seal the pack mark or create the pack mark, seal the pack bond. And he was like, (laughs) no, Uh, or sorry, mate bond, because they're extra special. She's got the platinum level. (laughs) Sorry, Uh, But uh, he was like, no can do and skedaddled. You know what? I should probably plug my phone. Yes. Uh, Yes. So we are operating on uh, some fun technical issues currently um h okay cat uh was not able to connect to zoom properly with now i have to hold my phone (laughs) poor cat (laughs) so her laptop was not uh zooming well it was a really terrible connection so we are now zooming through her phone um while she records to her computer And it's just a fun situation. But uh, luckily we live in a day and age where all of this is possible. I actually just watched The Imitation Game last night. And it's 
wild to see how far we've come with computers. Also how we treat homosexuals in society. So like both of these things have improved vastly since Alan Turing was around. Thank God. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's fascinating. Sorry. It's one of my favorite movies and not least of which because of the soundtrack, but that's, it's my thing. I like soundtracks. I, it, it makes me happy. It's why I like Pride and Prejudice so much, even though I hate the acting and half the comments. And I hate the fact that she's like, I don't like him. He's so rich. That is not what Elizabeth would have said, but that's okay because the music is good. Anyway, the death of time. And I'm very excited because I thought my, my case got kind of funky um, and I thought I wasn't going to be able to read or I was going to have like serious issues reading, but, um, I fixed it. So yay. <laughs> Mainly because I couldn't actually open the fan fiction app on my phone because my case was acting weird, but I fixed it. Also, no, my phone cannot exist outside of a case because the second it does, I will somehow magically be teleported to Morocco in Epcot and drop my phone onto terracotta tile and shatter it and almost completely lose access to the man who I would eventually go on to marry. And the only reason I was able to stay in touch with him and keep his number is because I had screenshotted conversations with him and sent it to Kat and his number shows on the text message screen. <laughs> and so I actually was rewarded for oversharing my relationship with my best friend because that's how I kept Jimmy's number. Uh, yes and it was annoying because i was also in a relationship at the time too so it was like claire i need my phone claire jesus no i need your phone more and i'm just like you know what you were in a well-established relationship mine was tender and a mere three weeks old and i had spent two of those weeks in hawaii <laughs> and, and was about to spend another i in took Cuba. a picture of you when you parked to get gas and you were like 10 feet away from the pump okay you know what <laughs> I still do that. I'm terrible at parking next to gas pumps. And I'm always like convinced I'm so close that I am not going to be able to get the pump into the car because I am too close. That has only happened like once. I am usually so far away from the pump that the line is almost straight out of the pump into my car because I'm so far away. I am obnoxious and I feel terrible about it, but I... I'm a bad driver. Like, I admit it. I am not a good driver. I have become a much more careful driver since having a child. But, like, I am I am the person who, like, very carefully turns into a parking spot and then somehow is still over the line and I have to, like, back up and then pull back in. And as I'm pulling back in, I go a teeny bit too fast and I just wham the fucking, like, concrete thing at the end so everybody in the car goes, <laughs> yeah, no, I am just not a good driver. <laughs> I admit it. I I am every female stereotype. Except yeah, I don't. It's just like this one time. Yeah, except this one time I parked in the parking lot over by where Dante's is, mm. and I had Brianna in the car with me, and I pulled too far forward, <gasps> and I hit the concrete wall, and it was when my mom had the Cadillac, and Brianna looks at me and she goes, "Did you just hit a sixty thousand dollar car in front of concrete?" And I was like, mm -hmm. "It ain't mine." <laughs> uh, when my dad was teaching me how to drive in his Toyota Camry, which at the time was only, 
I think Wilma hit our freshman year. I got my learner's permit that year or the next year. So it was, the car was only maybe a year old, um, a year or two old. It is now, uh, fuck, 16 years. Oh God. Oh, that's horrifying to think about. My parents still have, my dad still has the same car. So now it's like 16 years old. Now it's, now it's an old car, crappy car. Um, also today is my dad's birthday. Happy 70th. Woo. Very exciting. Yeah, I know. I know that that was sort of my face because I mentioned to my I was on the phone with my mom the other day and I'm like you're almost 70 that's weird to think about or no well because I was talking to her about the fact that I got a letter in the mail from my neurologist and I'm like that's weird I haven't seen my neurologist in two years and I open it up and it's to inform me that my neurologist is dead and I was like oh okay and my mom was like was was he like getting up there in age I'm like yeah he was pretty old and then I'm like oh Oh no. Oh, my parents are turning 70 this year. I can't be like, yeah, you know, anything over 70 is old. It's like, oh, nope, can't say that anymore. Um, no, 70 is definitely, you know, spry as spring chicken. Um, but I was like, I, I almost said, I was like, yeah, no, he was old. He was in his 70s. Oh, I'm like, I can't say that anymore. You're almost 70. And my mom's like, excuse me, I'm not even 69 and a half yet. And I'm like, noted. Thank you, mom. You're, you're right. You're not almost 70. You're still just 69 and she goes exactly <laughs> so um but my dad is 70 today so that's you know very jarring okay rabia story damn it anyway the dead of time oh you guess what you know who you know who is definitely past 70 and still rocking it dumbledore he's like 205 <laughs> 190 something i think or 170 something something like that um but yes yes also i'm getting very excited because we're getting uh, i oh that was the other thing i wanted to mention is i completely forgot like somehow i don't know how i pulled this off but i forgot that book season seven was when we started book three. I totally forgot we were finishing book three in this season. So I was still like, oh yeah, we still have another season of book three. To no, book three ends at the end of this season. So we've only got a couple chapters left and then we get to book four and I can't wait. Sorry, very excited. Um, But yes, so anyway, dead of time. Let's read chapter 122. Ooh, blocking my camera. Um. <clears throat> Author's note, reference chasers read Half-Blood Prince, all of it, because I sum the whole book up over the next two chapters, specifically chap specifically chapters 14 through 16. I like how she's like, read the entire book. Also, it's mainly just three chapters. Uh, chapter 100. Well, yeah, she needs those tears for her skin. Yeah. Chapter 122. I miss the pink hair. October 1st, 1996. Dear Remus, I hope this letter finds you well. I sent a few over the summer, but the owl returned them, so I can only assume that means you are on a mission somewhere. I hope you're safe. Harry's not handling Sirius's death well. I don't think anyone is, really. I've been having nightmares. I wake up feeling cold, like there's this empty pit in my chest that'll never be warm again. At first I was worried about Dementors, but this is different. Maybe it has to do with whatever curse I was hit with. I wish I had more information. I'm sorry to burden you with my problems, but sometimes I feel like we're sitting here behind Hogwarts walls, hiding from whatever is happening out there. 
where you are. Harry made Quidditch captain, and Ron made the team. Keeper. Harry's doing quite well in advanced potions, and I'm trying to temper my jealousy. Professor Snape took over defense against the dark arts. You are very missed. Professor Slughorn has come out of retirement to teach potions, and he's a very interesting character. Harry and I have been invited to his slug club. Apparently, this is supposed to be quite the honor. I'm a little appalled by the elitist attitude he has, and he's not quite taken with Muggleborns unless we show how amazing we are despite the, quote, unfortunate circumstances of our birth, end quote. Still, it's something to do, and Slughorn keeps photographs of his favorite students from the past. He has a picture of Harry's mum. She was beautiful. Harry thinks that Draco Malfoy is a Death Eater. I think he's putting all of his grief into something to do. Someone to blame, maybe, since he can't get to Bellatrix or Voldemort. I talked to Malfoy on the train after the prefects meeting. He seemed less hostile than normal. I didn't even call me a mudblood. Can you believe that? He looked sad. Scared. He even said, excuse me, Granger, when I got in his way as he left the compartment. Pretty sure that was an accident. Polite Draco Malfoy is weird, but it certainly doesn't scream Death Eater. Of course, I could be wrong. He did break Harry's nose once we all got off the train. Tonks healed it. She doesn't look very well, and she's been having trouble with her metamorphi- metamorphosis- metamorphosing. Metamorphosing. I think she's taken Sirius's death harder than anyone thought she would. Oh. Oh, I just got that. Everyone thinks she's mourning Sirius, which she probably is, but also Remus left. Oh, Sorry. Are you going to the borough for Christmas? I plan on stopping by for at least a day or two. I hope to see you there. There will be a large chocolate bar-shaped Christmas gift for you when I see you next. Please stay safe. I don't know what I'll do if I'm left with no one but Harry and Ron to talk to. I love them both dearly, but if I have to listen to any more Quidditch talk, I will put myself in front of an oncoming bludger. Quote, Good friends, good books, and a sleepy conscious. This is the ideal life. End quote. Your friend, Hermione. November 1st, 1996. Dear Hermione, Mark Twain, Muggle, I miss you too. Remus. See, the ironic thing is, is that I was watching Half-Blood Prince today because it was on TV. And, like... Slughorn gets me every time, like, especially when he's talking to Harry about, yeah, I never got to teach Sirius. I taught his brother, though. I would have liked to have the set. Like, what are they, collectible stamps? Like, Jesus Christ, dude. That me up. But <laughs> yeah, I just... Then by all means, come along, sir. The pincers. Yeah. Like, that? Yeah, and, like, my... Uh, dissertation chair actually reminds me of Slughorn very much because he always used to like brag how like all of the students who he chaired they all have like relatively low to middle of the road IQs because we weren't all geniuses and I'm like why does that matter but every time he would say that all I could picture was Slughorn and be like I would have liked the set (laughs) like I and he would always brag that, like, his students would always, like, graduate on time and, like, all of this stuff. And I'm just like, you are the sluggiest slughorn I've ever met. <laughs> <sighs> November 2nd, 1996. Ronald Weasley was disgusting. Oh, God damn it, I keep blocking my face with my phone. 
And also, Slughorn is a stealer because he had that thing, that vial, to get the tarantula venom or whatever. He's like, I just keep it on me. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm just like, dude. And he's and he's cutting fucking, off the he's plants. Shit. Like, he's, yeah, he really he's is. Fucking he's fucking shit on the black market. <laughs> yes, he really, really is. You shady bitch. Yes, huh. he really is. Also, I just realized that when Remus says, I miss you at the end of his letter, he's probably saying that to both Hermione and to Maya. In case you needed oh, to get hit in the feels. Deep. Yeah. November 2nd, 1996. Ronald Weasley was disgusting. Facts. <laughs> Sorry. I, I know sometimes it's hard to tell, like, what are my interjections and what Shia actually wrote, but, like, no. 16 and 17 year old boys in general are disgusting. I'm so looking forward to yeah, having one. They really are. It was not that she was jealous, certainly not of Lavender Brown, but Hermione knew that he had done it just to upset her, to get back at her for her comments about how she had suspected that Harry had slipped him Felix Felicis for the Quidditch game. A part of her said there was something more to Ron's issues. She'd known for weeks now, years really, that he was jealous and often compared himself to her and Harry. Even though he hated potions and thought the slug club was ridiculous, he was bitter that he had not been offered an invitation. And I've probably asked this before, but I don't remember the answer. Why does he call him Wallenbeat? Like... Um, because he doesn't care enough about Ronald to remember his name. Oh, okay. Ron's not important enough. Okay. It is the rudest thing I can possibly think of, but it would be like, actually, real life story kind of reminds me, uh, I used to work with a girl named Christina, and every single time, there was a recruiter that we worked with, and every time she emailed this woman, she always responded back with, Christine. And I even reached out to her. I was like, hey, so I noticed you addressed her as Christine. Her name's actually Christina. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Fucking next email. Hey, Christine. And I'm like, you. Like, okay, just let us know that she's not important enough to you to get her name right. Like, fuck you. <laughs> like, that's just rude as shit. Yeah, like, when I was at the college, I took a psychology class. Me and the professor had the same name, spelled the exact same way. And she never remembered what my name was. That's so sad. My name is your name. <laughs> we have the same name. Spelled the same exact way. I'm imagining your face every time she struggled to come up with your name and it's beautiful. It was so bad. <clears throat> He was bitter he had not received, uh, been offered an invitation. That was why she'd invited him to the Christmas party, as a friend, of course, though now she was deeply regretting it. She had wanted to make him feel included, introduce him to people at the party, and maybe show him that he did have something to offer. His temper ruined all of that. Lavender Brown, honestly, the girl had been doting on Ron since the beginning of school, and her behavior had been improper long before he had shoved his tongue in her mouth in the middle of the Gryffindor common room. It was indecent. Hermione would never be caught dead snogging anyone in public like that. Private matters should be, well, 
private. <laughs> oh, honey. You're going to change your feelings about that in the future. <clears throat> Hashtag alleyway. Hashtag Hogwarts corridors. Hashtag the library. Hashtag orchards. <laughs> okay. Not that she even had any offers. Not that she'd accept any offers should they become available. Hermione felt that her heart was closed off. A strange coldness had settled deep inside of her after the battle in the Department of Mysteries. She, oh... She blamed the curse that Dolohov had hit her with, whatever it was. But even if her heart was open, it would not be a welcome place for Ronald Weasley. He was using another girl to try and make her jealous. If Hermione was jealous of anything, it was, La it was that Lavender would likely not have to brush her teeth on her own for some time. Oh. Oh. Okay, I was like, what? Should have finished reading the sentence. <clears throat> It was that Lavender would likely not have to brush her teeth on her own for some time, as it appeared Ronald had willingly taken over the job of cleaning her mouth for her. <laughs> Caddy. Still, the fact that he thought he could do something like that to hurt her on purpose, well, it hurt. Avis, she whispered, twirling her wand above her head and watching as a small flock of canaries appeared. She had spent years trying to stay friends with Harry and Ron, and somehow she always did something to make them angry with her. She remained ever loyal to Harry, who at least had the grace to apologize when he was unkind. Ron, even when he knew he was in the wrong, would blush and grin crookedly at her as though that silently made up for everything. Hermione? She smiled sadly up at her friend as he quietly approached. Oh, hello, Harry. I was just practicing, she added gesturing to the birds. Harry sighed and put an arm around her shoulders, pulling her in close next to him. She leaned her head on his shoulder and smiled when she felt his chin rest on top of her hair. I really am happy that you guys won the game. I, I know I don't appreciate Quidditch as much as you do, but it's important to you, and... I know, Harry said. I'm sorry I got you in trouble with Ron because of the Felix Felicis trick I played on him. He seems to be enjoying the celebrations, she said bitterly. Er, does he? Harry asked, innocently. Hermione sat up and stared at him incredulously. Don't pretend you didn't see that. Harry's face scrunched up into a grimace. It's a sight of him I never, ever wanted to see. And that's saying something since I've shared a dorm with him and a communal shower with the bloke for going on six years. Hermione laughed. Ew, Harry. Still, he said with a frown, he shouldn't have done that, least of all in front of you. He shouldn't have done that in front of anyone, Hermione said emphatically. He's just using poor Lavender, and she doesn't even know it. I think he likes the attention she gives him, he pointed out. Hermione nodded. That much is certain. I don't like when he hurts you. I'm supposed to take care of you. I promised, Harry began, but then looked down and looked away from here her, clearly ashamed. Hermione stared at him. Harry, I'm upset that Ron is trying to hurt me on purpose. I'm upset that he yelled at me and accused me of not believing in him. Frankly, I'm still upset at him for abandoning you during the Triwizard Tournament two years ago, and for accusing poor Crookshanks of killing his stupid rat three years ago. I think I'll hex him the next time I see his face, she admitted with a laugh. I've been upset for a long time, and I'm so very tired of burying it inside. 
Again, why the fuck did she marry him in canon? Bad combo. <clears throat> then who should she have ended up with? Harry? Harry? Okay. <laughs> I think that's my favorite meme, though, when it was like, Harry should have ended up with Hermione, and then someone replied to the tweet, and it was like, well... JK wrote the book, so she could have... No, no, it was actually... No, it was her tweet about something about Harry not ending up with Hermione or how they yeah, should have it, ended up together. And somebody and was, it like, was like, but you wrote the book. She, yeah. <laughs> she she tweeted that uh, in hindsight, Harry probably should have ended up with Hermione. And somebody was like, you fucking wrote it. <laughs> like, like <laughs> what? What do you mean? Like, I think that's sort of where she started spiraling was like she started rewriting things and people were like that's not what happened like why are we rewriting history seven years later um but anyway well it can happen it can it can we can rewrite history just like the harry potter books are now written by daniel radcliffe amazing yeah I think I've been upset for a long time, and I'm so very tired of burying it inside. Harry sighed and then offered her a sympathetic smile. I know the feeling. I wish we could just have an... I wish we could have had a normal life here at Hogwarts sometimes, she said, looping her arm through his and lacing their fingers together. She treasured their friendship that, unlike hers with Ron, came with ease and comfort. Harry was the closest thing she'd ever had to a brother, and she knew he felt the same way. There was no need to address it. Sometimes I think that if you'd never met me... Shut up, Harry. Harry chuckled at her ire. I thought you'd be upset about... you know. You thought I was jealous? I don't see Ron like that. I, I might have thought about it a long time ago, but, well, I haven't always had the most logical taste in men, have I? Harry shrugged. Crumb wasn't so bad. He couldn't pronounce my name. Professor Lockhart could, Harry teased. Hermione rolled her eyes, doing her best not to confess her previous crush on another professor, or... She frowned. I'm sorry, Hermione, Harry said. I was just teasing. I know, it's... it's not that. If it makes you feel any better, I'm... well... I'm lonely, too. It doesn't make me feel any better to know that you're lonely. Ginny will come around. Harry blushed, his eyes widening. Ginny, what? I, I, I never said... You are the least subtle person I've ever met, Harry Potter. Hermione smirked at him. I won't tell Ron, though. She's got nice skin. <laughs> <laughs> She's only dating my sister because she has nice skin. <laughs> Hermione's got nice skin. <laughs> I love that shit. Almost as though mentioning him was a summoning charm, Ron appeared, stepping through the door with a giggling lavender on his arm. His red hair was mussed and his lips were swollen. He looked at Hermione briefly almost smug when their eyes met, and then turned his attention to Harry, purposely ignoring her. This is why my brain forces me to find men twice my age more attractive than adolescent idiots. Ron pretended to look embarrassed, to having stumbled upon them in the room. 
Lavender actually did look a bit sheepish, but she giggled, flashed Ron a beckoning look, and left without a word. Hey, Harry, Ron said, running a hand through his hair, clearly not planning on following his new girlfriend. Was wondering where you run off to. Hermione rolled her eyes. You shouldn't leave Lavender waiting outside, she advised him as she stood to leave the room. She glanced at his face when he tensed as she passed him. The way he showed fear pleased her, but when he sighed in relief as she moved for the door, irritation took over, and she turned and glared at her supposed friend. Oh, Pugno, she snarled, and watched with mild amusement as the canary she had summoned earlier turned and violently attacked him. December 20th, 1996. Hermione was grateful when, after her last early morning class let out, she was given permission to go into Hogsmeade with a few other students to pick up clothing and other last-minute items for Christmas, as well as for Slughorn's Christmas party. Walking down with the other girls, however, was a nightmare, and Hermione did her best to stay as far ahead of the others as possible. She could still hear Lavender giggling and shrieking with poverty about her little wan-wan. Hermione did her best to hold in her breakfast as the blonde behind her described in detail attributes of Ronald that she would have preferred to remain in the dark about. The sight of a familiar witch in the village brought a much-needed smile to Hermione's face. Tonks! Watch, Hermione! Hermione smiled kindly, ignoring the detested nickname. Harry mentioned you were stationed in Hogsmeade. How are you? she asked, recalling Harry's theory over Tonks's sudden lack of shine. I had a thought, Harry said tentatively. You don't think she could have been, you know, in love with Sirius? What on earth makes you say that? Hermione asked, feeling a strange discomfort trying to crawl its way out of her. I don't know, but she was nearly crying when I mentioned his name, and her Patronus is a big four-legged thing now. I wondered whether it hadn't become, you know, padfoot. Oh, I'm all right, Tonks offered a sad little smile. What are you doing down in the village? Professor McGonagall is allowing some of us that are done with classes for the term to finish up last-minute Christmas shopping. Plus, there's a Christmas party tonight, and I needed to get a new pair of shoes. Christmas party? Hot date? Tonks said with a teasing grin that did not quite reach her eyes. Hermione scoffed, thinking of Cormac and the colossal mistake she had made in asking him. It was impulsive, and she was already regretting it. He likes to think so. Tonks laughed, and the sight made Hermione lighten up inside. She watched carefully to see if Tonks's hair would turn a bright color shade, but it sadly remained a mousy brown, looking lifeless. I'll walk with you. Tell me all about him. Oh, I can barely stand him, Hermione confessed. His name is Cormac McLoggin, and I only asked him to go with me to get under Ron's skin, she admitted with a bitter sigh. Ronald has acquired a new girlfriend for the purpose of making me jealous, and all it's actually doing is making me nauseous. It's not, it's not right that he's just using her, though I suppose I'm doing no better with McLagan. Thank you. I was thinking the same exact thing. I was literally about to say, you are literally doing the same thing, you muggle. Again, we're all idiots when we're 16 and 17. Well, some of us are idiots until we're about, like, 25-ish, but, you know. Or 40, depending. <laughs>
And some of us never grow up. Great line in season one of Outlander. Um, God, what's his name? Uh, uh, Myrta says to Claire at one point when she's talking about how Jamie is with Leary. And Myrta goes, uh, Jamie needs a woman. Leary is a girl and Leary will be a girl until the day she dies or something like that. Basically saying that like some girls stay that way their entire lives and some eventually mature into women and who buddy do I know some girls. (laughs) Uh, yeah. I think we all do. By the way, I converted another Outlander fan. (gasps) Wonderful. Hope. I'm quite excited. Yes, I, I, Audrey's trying again. She tried and didn't like it, and now she's trying again. And her and Ricky were watching it last night, and the comments that he had were hilarious. She was texting me all these things that he was saying, and I was like, dude. Yeah, I'm, I still need to finish the latest season, but. Yeah, and, like, that's what makes me mad, too, because, like, I read that a certain person that we have in common didn't like this last season, and I'm like, I don't understand what her thought process is in this, because I actually liked it, and it had, the last episode actually had a fantastic moment that I was like, yes, finally, we get answers. I think it's one of those, the books will always be better. Yeah, but you told me that they follow them pretty well. I mean, they do take artistic license here and there, but, like... But I... The show is now beyond where I've read in the books, so I don't actually Mm. know anymore. Um, Got it. Yeah. Eventually, when I am able to focus on books that aren't just... (laughs) fantasy smut i will which is funny because outlander is fantasy smut but like i'm reading trashy fantasy smut also uh actually no the one i'm reading right now isn't even fantasy it's just it's um kings of quarantine is the first book and it's quite good um bully romance so if you don't like bullies bully to lover enemies to lovers i wouldn't recommend it um because they are extremely aggressive and very much bullies but it's quite good um, also loosely based on like the COVID lockdowns. Um, but also they somehow wrote four books, all of which are over 600 pages in under a year and a half. So like, which is not surprising considering Shire wrote 750,000 words in nine months, six months, something like that. But yeah, no, these authors belt out books long meaty books at a speed i've never freaking seen i'm convinced it's more than two women writing but anyway anyway it's a dead of time um back to tonks uh hermione was complaining and then said she's doing no better uh with mcloggin go easy on yourself tonks advised wizards sometimes need their egos taken down a notch Some need a little more reassurance, though, Hermione agreed knowingly, offering a small smile as Tonks turned and stared at her. Merlin, you really are too smart for your own good. You know that? How'd you figure it out? Hermione shrugged her shoulders. Harry saw your Patronus, 
he said it almost looked like Padfoot. I remember summer and Christmas at Grimold Place, and you and Sirius weren't close. Not like that. He's not taking Sirius's death very well, Tonks admitted quietly. She didn't say out loud who he was, but Hermione knew. Blames himself, I suspect. You haven't heard from him lately, have you? Hermione flushed slightly, chewing on her bottom lip. What makes you think that... Tonks cut her off by raising an incredulous eyebrow. He'll be at the borough for Christmas. December 24th, 1996. Remus tried to be subtle about his excitement at being at the borough for Christmas, but the moment Molly greeted him at the door with a large slice of treacle tart, all subtlety had gone out the window. Normally, he detested the idea of anyone doting upon him, even in his youth it had taken serious effort to allow Maya, and later, Doria, to take care of him, but he was much too skinny, according to Molly. He didn't have the energy to argue with her, as she set a plate down in front of him and piled it nearly six inches high with potatoes and roast beef. Okay, we're doing pot roast this week, because now I need it. <sighs> Yukon gold mash. Mm-hmm. That's happening. Mm. Anyway, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm hungry. He was thrilled to see Harry, but disappointed in finding that Hermione had decided not to come to the borough for Christmas. When Remus had asked why her plans had changed, Ron mumbled under his breath, She's probably too busy snogging Crumb and Cormac to bother with us, and then left the room. Remus turned a stern eye on Harry, who nodded in understanding, raising his hands in surrender. I know. Believe me, I'm trying to fix it. They're both stubborn. Remus spent the day catching up with Harry, who was very excited to tell him about their Quidditch season thus far, his suspicions of Draco Malfoy being a Death Eater, which Remus already knew about, thanks to Hermione's letter, and an advanced potions textbook he found to be quite useful. Remus did his best to caution Harry, especially if his suspicions were correct about whom the book might have originally belonged to, though the title Half-Blood Prince meant nothing to him. You really should turn that book into Professor Slughorn. The look Harry gave him as he bobbed his head was far too reminiscent of James, who had rarely accepted words of caution from anyone in his youth, especially when he had his mind set on doing something already. Later in the evening, Remus made his way up the winding stairs to say farewell to Harry. Outside of the room, he overheard Hermione's name and decided to stop and listen at the door while Ron and Harry conversed on the other side. The voices were muffled and... Despite the advantage of werewolf hearing, Molly's wireless downstairs blaring Celestina Warbeck made it that much harder to spy on the teenagers. "'Aren't you a little bit old to be eavesdropping?' Remus jumped, surprised that anyone had been able to startle him at all. He must have been incredibly distracted. His gaze fell on Dora. Her mousy brown hair made something clench painfully in his chest. "'What are Harry and Ron whispering about?' She pressed her own ear against the door before looking up at him. It hurt even more to stare at her because of the gray eyes that looked so much like Sirius's. Remus noted that there was a small beauty mark just below her left ear. He noticed a pattern of freckles covering her nose that had never been there before. All these tiny little things that he realized Dora used to use her... God damn it. Shut up. 
hey, that's a hard sentence. Used to use, used like to that's use. hard. Yeah, used to use. Yeah, okay. Oh, there is a D there. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Used to use. Ah, I can't even say that. And it's funny because like used always is a D sound, but used to use for me is always a T sound for some reason. Yeah, or it's like when somebody tells you that you can find something on on demand, it's like the two on ons. on demand. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah, or somebody was like, that that was the reason. And it's like, I, I hate when I have to that, that. Yes. All these tiny little things that he realized Dora used to use her abilities as a metamorph magus to cover up, but no longer could. He frowned, knowing that it was his fault her magic was not properly obeying her. More theories about how Snape's a Death Eater, she asked him, looking eager to fill the silence that sat between them. Or are they plotting against my little cousin again? Hermione told me that Draco broke Harry's nose, Remus said. I don't know what's wrong with that boy, Dora sighed in frustration. Mum said he's probably just like his father, and that his father was... I went to school with Lucius Malfoy. Draco's nothing like him. He tries, but there's something different about him. Hopefully the good blood in him will win out in the end. You know, that kind of makes sense. Because even though I haven't gotten to that book yet because I've been lazy AF, it does make sense. Because in the movie, like, I noticed that Snape is like, I can see that you're struggling. Do you want me to do this for you? And he was like, no, I was chosen to do this. But you could tell that he, like, has all this guilt. Like, he really doesn't want to do it because he knows that it's wrong. But he's doing it probably to please his dad. Yep. No, for sure. For sure. It's... I never noticed that before until today. Like, I swear, the more times I watch these movies, the more things I never noticed before. And I'm like, wait. I will say... Just like how last night, I was like, Lucius Malfoy is a Death Eater! And he told them that they were <laughs> And I was like, yeah, but you and Hannah Beth already knew that. I'm just figuring this out. Yeah. <laughs> now, it... I will say, Draco Malfoy in the books mm, probably didn't deserve a redemption arc. Draco Malfoy played by Tom Felton Tom Felton, I think, is the reason Dramione is so big. And one is because, well, he was super hot. And I say that as somebody who was the same age as him in those movies, not I find an 11-year-old hot. As an 11-year-old, I found him hot as an 11-year-old. Um, but like, Hey, I find him hot now. Oh, yes. No, I still find him extremely attractive. But, like, you know, he were all sort of of an age. And, you know, growing up, I had a huge crush on him. But... One, I think the attraction helped. But two, I think he plays Draco in a much more forgivable manner than the book is written. Because you yes, see... Yes, it's just like how Alan Rickman does the same thing with Snape. Like, yes. book Snape is a total butt face, but Alan Rickman Snape isn't really like that. Yeah, no, Alan... I mean, he is, but he has that thing. He's not as cruel. Yeah, so they're like the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, with Tom, you see that he's trying so hard to impress his dad. And I think a lot of us 
can kind of understand that and have seen it in kids who grow up in extremely bigoted families where it's like, is the kid a bigot or were they just raised by, you know, terrible parents? And then when they get older, they step back and go, oh, that's not the way I should be and change. So like, that's why I try not to judge people permanently until they're somewhere between 25 and 30 because it takes a lot of a really long time to deconstruct uh family trauma like that um and a lot of people probably don't realize there's family trauma until one they've spent time away from their parents and also separated themselves from the friends who feel that way and you know had the opportunity to face different things i i think people can grow a lot i do think by the time you're 30 if you haven't figured it out then there's no hope for you and fuck you like you can still change yeah but you've had a yeah, lot of time that's why i yeah that's why i hate people who have that theory that people cannot change because they can it's just they have to want to they so have to want I understand to and that they have to have be had, in yes. an environment that allows for it yes yeah, that's why I hate that when people say that nobody can change. And I also hate it when people say once a cheater, always a cheater. It's like, no, like it Th- there's... depends on what age you were and things that were going on in your life and the trauma and all that stuff. So it's like just because you did it once doesn't mean you'll do it again necessarily. And if you do it over and over again, it doesn't necessarily make you a crappy person. It just means that you have issues you're not facing and you're doing it to satisfy some kind of need yeah i think so that's just me cheating is generally agreed upon to be not good but i think it is usually the symptom of something else yeah i totally agree it's just like how people are like well drug addicts can never like get clean it's like they can it's just they have to want to and it it's like uh, a friend of ours from high school has been extremely open with her battle with pills and other drugs and alcohol yeah and she got dealt a shit hand so she was in a really bad accident when she was really young and then she went through additional surgeries when she was older and kept getting given painkillers to deal with that and so which makes no sense to me because if the doctor knows that you're an addict like it makes no no, no, no no. sense to me they didn't know she was an addict yet she was only 14 she was getting surgeries at like 14 15 and 16 and they started giving her pills because they didn't know she was you know had an addictive personality and by the time she's 16 now she's addicted and nobody's picked up on it yet and i think think she may have gone to rehab while we were in high school I'm not sure but she is super open about her struggle and you know extremely loud and proud when she gets clean obviously doesn't announce it when she you know falls off the wagon but you know she talks about the hell she puts her family through and that kind of stuff and watching her struggle has made me extremely sympathetic to both addicts and their families um 
Yeah, because like private practice did that for me when we saw more of Amelia's arc in there. Because you don't really get to see that in Grace, but mm-hmm. when she was in private practice, that's what did it for me. Because I was like, "Whoa, th- this chick is like you can't slip." It, yeah, it all it takes, but it happens. Yeah, and you know, you if you hang out with the wrong person if you end up in a part of town that is near an area where there is dealers if you end up working at a place where somebody you're with uses it's so freaking hard to stay clean and then to put yourself through the hell of getting clean again knowing what detox is like and all that kind of stuff it's like the fact that this person that we know has continued to battle to get clean. The fact that she continues to put her body through the hell that detox is the fact that she has continued to go back to meetings, go through the steps, go through all of that, find a sponsor. The fact that her family still sticks by her and supports her and is there all the time. It's she's probably the strongest person I know. Yeah, because that's like what happened to Steven Tyler recently. Aerosmith had to cancel all their shows because Steven got foot surgery and then he started getting addicted to pain pills again. So he had to, yeah, so he willingly checked himself into rehab. He was like, guys, I got to go. Like, we got to cancel shows. I can't do this. No, and I mean, I'm sure that sucks for the fans who bought tickets, but no, at the end of the day. Yeah, it does. But like, I'd rather have Steven Tyler alive. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and also like he's how old is he like he's getting up there what is he yeah he's like what in his 70s early he's 80s got, he's gotta be he's gotta be in his 70s at least yeah let's look up so like good for him for taking all of that with his body and stuff and like ozzy osbourne too like their bodies are the fact that ozzy else. osbourne is alive makes the dare program unfortunately really not believable. I know, and Ozzy like had COVID recently, and he has Parkinson's. It's just like Steven Tyler is seventy four years old. Oh, his birthday's the day before mine. Wow. I didn't wow. know that. But yeah, how is he seventy? He's still a good looking man. Not gonna lie. Yeah, he's not bad. But but I, I just like I, I I was I read that statement that the band put out. I was like, good for you, Steven. You got to do what you got to do for you. You'll make up the shows later. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Plus, all of your fans probably like have done more drugs than you, or just as many drugs as you too. So, like. I'm, at this point, I'm convinced. Like Ozzy Osbourne's body is just pickled, and like that's why he probably he's alive. is. It's just... Yeah, he's he's kimchi on the inside. <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne is kimchi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I'm going to call really old former drug addicts kimchi. Nobody's going to understand it. It's fun. Haven't we had this conversation before? Possibly. I th- I'm having that deja vu thing. I feel like we've had this conversation. <laughs> I think we've called Ozzy Kimchi before. <laughs> I don't think we've called him Kimchi before, but I definitely think we've referred to him being pickled, which means you may have <laughs> actually called him Kimchi, so that's that's fine. I mean, he is kind of a big dill. <coughs> it's a pickle yeah. joke. <laughs> Sorry. 
Uh, yeah, and his daughter fell off the wagon recently, and now she's pregnant. Oh. So like, oh, well, hope she's clean. Yeah. No. Yeah, she has been one year again. Oh, that's but good. Now that she's pregnant, she obviously has to like stay that way. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> okay. So anyway, the dead of time. Dora was talking about how she doesn't know what's up with Draco. Um, and Remus said Draco's nothing like Lucius. Uh, hopefully the good blood in him will win out in the end. Good blood? Dora snorted. He's half Malfoy, half black. You know us blacks. Flip of the galleon. I've only met one black I didn't like. Remus growled at the memory of Bellatrix Lestrange's voice echoing in the Ministry of Magic, screaming of her victory over killing Sirius. The memory that Maya had shown him of the crazy witch only added to his anger. I'm not counting Walburga's portrait, though I suppose I did meet her once before she died. Dora frowned in understanding. Remus, have you... Shh. He leaned his ear closer to the door. What's going on? Well, so far I've learned that Harry's obtained a bottle of Felix Felices. Draco Malfoy keeps, keeps disappearing from the Marauder's map. Ron has a new girlfriend. And I'm not entirely certain what a McLoggin is, Remus said with a low growl. But I think I need to kill it. <laughs> the boy Myony took to the Christmas party? Dora asked with a smirk. His eyebrows shot up to his hairline in surprise. How do you know that? She shrugged. Girls talk. You talk to Hermione. I'm stationed in Hogsmeade. I like the little witch. I have since before I met her. We happen to have a lot in common, she said clearly, the look on her face saying more than her words ever could. Or we will. Don't, he pleaded quietly. It was hard enough to stay away from Dora, but to be reminded that Maya might never return to him because of something that had gone wrong in the timeline. It hurt too much. Are you even still planning on it? She asked, ignoring the way he stepped back from her. Sending her back? I don't know, he answered truthfully, and then a sharp burn stung his wrist. Ow! He snarled rubbing at the raw skin with a defeated sigh. Dora chuckled, a slightly sadistic look in her eyes. He supposed that, after everything, he deserved that. That's a yes. You apparently made a promise. Fucking vow, he grumbled bitterly. Sorry. I'm glad you and Hermione are friends. I worry about... about the both of you. You know I'm safe. No. I don't. Yes, you do. I'm an Auror. Plus, I know you've been coming to Hogsmeade the past few weeks. Dora grinned smugly when he looked down, guiltily. You know, the whole stalking thing was a lot more adorable when I got to snog you at the end of the day. I'm sorry, he whispered. How'd your mission go? He sighed and leant against the wall behind him, groaning at the memory of his recent descent into the werewolf packs. Not well. My pack bond isn't significant enough to keep me safe. It had been a thought that occurred when Dumbledore asked him to look into the mission originally. All he had was Harry, Hermione, and Dora, 
and not a single one of them were properly marked. The pack bond was unsealed between himself and the witches, and Harry was only involved due to his connection to James. The magic just was not strong enough to sustain him properly and keep him safe at the same time. Thankfully, the only other alpha currently alive is Greyback, and Dumbledore knows better than to send me into his group. I'd be dead there no matter what, he said, running a hand through his hair. Dora listened to him, shoving her hand into the pockets of her aura robes that had been left open, showing the Hollyhead Harpy's t-shirt beneath. So, what's next? Dumbledore wants me to go to Ireland for a few months, he explained, frowning when he could see the disappointment on her face. It was obvious that she was hoping that, with the other mission ended, there would be a chance at reconciliation. Remus knew better. This is for his, her own good he reminded himself. There have been reports of rogue wolves grouping together. Safety in numbers. She lifted a brow in obvious concern. He doesn't want you to take over a pack, does he? Remus shook his head firmly. No, even if he did, I wouldn't. I have my own pack. Broken as it is, it's still mine. I take it you're not over this whole self-deprecation thing. He sighed loudly, exhausted from arguing with her over the same thing. I need... I need you safe. You deserve... Six months. What? I'm giving you six months, Remus. Six more months to do whatever you need to do to get over your issues. His jaw tightened. Are you giving me an ultimatum? She shrugged, looking completely unperturbed. He hated that he couldn't guess her emotions by the color of her hair. I suppose, although I was trying to threaten you. And if I don't comply? I'll force your hand. He stood there, slightly shocked and a little nervous, but tried not to show either. Meaning? You love me, and I love you, Dora whispered as she stepped closer, her scent assaulting him like a tidal wave. For some reason, you think I need to have time to make a proper judgment on our relationship, which is really just an excuse for distancing yourself from me because you think that being involved with a werewolf will put me in more danger than I already am. It's ridiculous. You know it's ridiculous. But considering what happened to Sirius and how Harry's in danger and Hermione's right on his heels all the time, you're feeling helpless. You've decided to take a stand in our relationship so that you can feel like you've got control over something. Well, Remus thought. She's not wrong. And you're saying if I don't get over it, you'll force my hand? By doing what, exactly? I don't know. Something to rile you up. Run naked through Diagon Alley for everyone to see? She grinned when Remus growled involuntarily. Ooh, Mooney doesn't like that idea. She belayed nothing that said she was bluffing. Blacks have no shame. She'll do it, and everyone will see her. Desire her. Six months, Remus agreed, trying to hear his own voice over the sound of the wolf snarling in his head. It was painful to be away from her, but she clearly was not letting up. Six months would give him time to think of a new plan to get her to see reason. Six months would give him time to figure out how to keep her safe. Then again, with Sirius dead and the future changed, Remus didn't know if he would survive the next six months. Six months. 
A lynx patronus soared in through a nearby window, landing in front of them. When its mouth opened, Kingsley's voice spoke. Happy Christmas, Tonks. Mad-Eye says get back to Hogsmeade. He's in a mood, the lynx said, and then promptly vanished. Dora rolled her eyes and sighed irritably. I've got to get back to work. She waved her wand, conjuring her own Patronus, which, instead of the rabbit it had been a year earlier, was a massive silvery wolf. That's... He muttered in astonishment at the sight of the Patronus that looked to be a docile-looking version of Mooney. On my way, kings, Dora responded, relaying the message to the Patronus for delivery. Happy Christmas! When she was done, the wolf turned on its paws and leapt out the nearby window, vanishing into the night. That was... Remus tried again. It was good to see you, love, Dora said, with a sad smile before leaning up and kissing his cheek, shaking her head in disappointment when he tensed at her touch. Stubborn wolf. Please, stay safe, he called out after her. Dora turned around and grinned at him. You know me, she said, and then promptly backed into a small shelf housing several of Muggle's, uh, shit, Arthur's Muggle toys, sending them to the ground. Oops, sorry, Molly. Dora, Remus swallowed hard as she turned her gray eyes to look back at him. I, I miss the pink hair the most. She smiled, sadly. Me too. And scene. Oh, also I'd like to take a second to thank the Australian listener who said that they didn't consider us sepos because we translate our temperatures from Fahrenheit into Celsius. That makes me happy. Okay. Sorry, I remembered that while I was reading um, because... As usual, I have like 15,000 thoughts going on in my head while I'm reading. So the fact that I'm able to read it all is impressive. Um, and I don't think I explicitly said this in the last podcast, but I did tell everybody that I got diagnosed. I am officially ADHD. Uh, I am inattentive type. Um, and uh, it is much worse than I thought it was. <laughs> like I knew I had it, but uh, if you score a 60, you have it. If you score a 70, it's considered fairly severe. Uh, I, I scored a 73 um, and scored in the mid to high 80s in certain sections, such as focus and memory. Uh, so <laughs> everything makes much more sense now. And uh, my doctor again, uh, oh wait, I say again, you aren't friends with me on Facebook, most of you. Um, my doctor did kind of get to me. I got a little choked up. He was like, it's pretty significant. Life's not supposed to be this hard. And I, like, promptly started bawling on the phone with him. <laughs> um, but a uh, huge shout out to him. He's awesome. Uh, but I'm very excited to now move forward with my uh, PCM next week to actually figure out how to now manage it. Uh, so very exciting things happening in my life and hopefully i will be a normal functioning human being which would be very exciting but cat what do you think of the episode now that i've gone off on two separate tangents it was cute 
Isn't it? I like Remus and Tonks. Yeah, I, I just feel bad because I haven't been giving like very much reaction lately, but there really isn't anything for me to react to sometimes these days. But apparently book four is going to be like oh. something else. Oh. Yeah. So like, I understand where you're coming from because this is this is all of the books and the stories that we already know. We're just hearing it from a different perspective. So from Remus, from Tonks, from Sirius, from Hermione. It's basically the Harry Potter series from everybody except Harry. Um, yeah. And so, like, you know, that's definitely different. Um, but, you know, book four is really where it kind of, you know, veers left. And we go into completely uncharted territory where... Shy was no longer caged by canon. So, like, even in the Marauder area, there's era, there's certain things that happened that we know happened because it appeared in the original series. Like, you know, Regulus destroying, destroying the Horcrux, um, the scene with, you know, Snivellus and the underwear and all of that kind of stuff. Like, we know certain scenes happened, so she had to stick with that. But book four, all harnesses, all leashes, all collars, all fences are gone. And she got complete artistic license to just, as long as she kept it within the Harry Potter universe, she could write basically whatever she wanted. And she did. And it's great. Um, and I'm very excited for us to get into this because it's just badass. But... Uh, These aren't the most action-packed chapters, but they're like, it's kind of like Coco to me. It's just very comforting. And now all I can hear in my yeah, voice is... Yeah, it is. It's just, I feel bad that I haven't been giving, like, reactions, but... Yeah. Now all I can hear in my no head is... No one can blame me. <laughs> no, not at all. All I can hear in my head is... I want to be a marshmallow. A what? A marshmallow. What would you do if you were a marshmallow? I'd just wobble along with joy. <laughs> that little girl, Dude. she's something else. Well, because I'd, I'd heard this sound and I'd seen people do stuff with it, but I'd never seen the actual original video and it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, it's like she says it with such a straight face, like she's so. Oh, she's serious so serious about it. To be a Martian. I just wobble along. <laughs> just. <laughs> I thought it was somebody like coming off of you know, after they had like their wisdom teeth pulled or something, and they were just like high on no. like medication. No, no, it's just a little girl oh. high on life, <laughs> and wanting to be a marshmallow, way, wobbling along with joy. <laughs> Wait, when can we tell the people, or have we told the people already? I can't remember. When can we tell the people? We can tell the people. Okay. Are you going to tell the people? If you want me to, unless you want to tell the people. You tell the people. Okay. Guys. Fire whiskers. After waiting... And waiting, and waiting, and waiting, and waiting, Claire and I 
and possibly hit a bath are going to be at LeakyCon. We are finally getting to the con. So if any of you, you lovely people will be there, look for us. We would like to see your smiling faces. Just don't hug me. Yes, just I am still on a leash with a small child who I really hope does not get sick right before I'm supposed to leave, like what happened with Key West, but for now that is the plan. Yes. So we are like, going the, to Leaky Con. There are things that are booked, like actual like financial decisions have been made, and so it it, it is happening. We are going to Leaky Con, Claire. Shut up and stop saying this crap. We are going to Leaky Con. We are going to Leaky Positivity Con. manifestation. Yes, bitch. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Okay. And also, we could also. Not blame Claire for the strawberries giving people hepatitis. We cannot blame her for that. I did I did not predict dangerous produce. No, you did not. But I am going to tell you, uh, as she snaps something in her hair, um, this is your gentle reminder. Always freaking wash your produce. I'm glad Kat said something. Also, a pro tip, if you want your lettuce to last longer, when you get a head of romaine, you cut the bottom off, you put all of it in like really cold water, you rinse it, wash it, all that kind of stuff, Um, throw a teeny splash of vinegar in there to like clean it, Um, and then take it and put it on a linen dish towel, or if you have those sackcloth dish towels, especially from Target, they're extra big, but take them... Still wet, lay them on there, fold it over, roll it, and your lettuce will last much, much longer. By the way, do you believe in that fruit and veggie wash where you like add a little bit to the water? I've seen those and I've heard people rave about them, but I've never used them. You know what I'm talking about? Is it actual, are people actually selling shit to wash your produce in? Yes, and I've looked it up, and, like, it's all, like, safe ingredients and everything, and I've heard people rave about them, and I've seen videos where people use them, and you can see all the dirt in the water, and it, like, makes all the crap come out, and I've just wondered if that is safe, have people used it, I want to know. I am sure it is safe. You know what else will get all of the dirt off of your produce? Water and vigorous motion. Literally, you should always just wash your produce. Um, I have a salad spinner. Yes, I know that, and I do that, but people are selling this stuff. And actually, yes. the other day, trying I to make saw money. something that blew... No, the other day, I saw something that blew my mind that I cannot believe people are actually using. But you know those little containers that you can put like your phone and your keys in with the light? They make that for fruits and vegetables now. Yes. They make the container with the light. Oh, with the light? Okay, that's a little extra. Yes. But, um, but no, yes, you can... You are advised to wash all of your produce um a splash of vinegar a very small amount it does not flavor your food especially if you do a second rinse with just water vinegar will kill a lot of things um if you when you wash um bell peppers and apples uh the water should be a little well especially with apple actually no not so much with bell peppers definitely with apples there's wax on them so wash it with a little bit of warm water to melt the wax off. Um, I put a drop of Dawn dish soap on my finger to get all of the wax off of my fruit. Um, but What? 
Yes, there is wax on apples. That's what keeps them fresh. It is edible wax. Really? But there's wax. Yes. No, I meant about the soap thing. Yeah. You just put a teeny bit on your finger and you rub it. So like bell peppers too, cucumbers, little dot oh of Dawn God. dish soap and you just wash it and then you rinse it. You're washing so all the soap off. So my teacher back in the day wasn't insane then. No, that is a thing. Because I vividly remember her, I forget who it was. It wasn't Mary Immaculate. I remember that. And she asked somebody to go wash her apple with soap. And everybody was like, what? But she didn't say like a drop. She just said with soap No, and it's water. a very and I was small, like, minuscule amount of soap. But yes, it takes that waxy stuff off that protects the skin and keeps it fresher longer. Um, but yes, so for the things that have hard skins like bell peppers, apples, cucumbers, um, use a very, like literally just a dot of Dawn dish soap with strawberries, raspberries, blueberries, um, those kinds of things, I recommend a teeny tiny splash of um, vinegar uh, to just kill stuff. Um, And then again, rinse it well with water and then take them and put them into an airtight container, whether it be a mason jar or a Tupperware or anything like that. And because they come in breathable uh, containers, which is good because it doesn't trap gases. But um, if you store them, if you wash them and store them in an airtight container, they will stay fresher longer. I had strawberry instead of strawberries that I had to eat in like two to three days. I had them last over a week. So wash your produce, store it in an airtight container. Both of those are very good things, unless it is lettuce, in which case. Cut the bottom off, wash it in cold water, throw it in a towel, wrap it up. It stays fresh longer. But, like, lay out the leaves so that they, like, cover the entire... Don't just, like, put the head. Like, cut the bottom off, spread the leaves out, make sure they all get wet, make sure they all get clean, lay them out flat. You can stack them on top of each other, wrap it. Okay. And this has been Produce Tips with Claire. Um, That sounds kind of dirty. This is such a long end tangent. We should probably thank the people. I can hear Hannah Beth yelling at us. Thank the people. We'd like to thank our May Foxes, Tyler, Anthony, Professor Magana Got It Going On, Jade, Tori, Sierra, Leanne, Stacy, Steph, Camille, Sandra, Shannon, Claire, Martina, Kayla, Lynn, Amara, Diana, Nicole, Amber, Kenny, Jackie, Jordan, Sarah, Ryland, Matthias, Chelsea, Carissa, Sarah, Rachel, Samantha, Ashley Lynn, Kaylin, April, Cauldron Mist, Sarah, Another one for the baby jar, Crystal, Ryder, Audrey, Cassie, Melissa, Catherine, Samantha, Nina, Shauna, Katie Cat, Dan, Crystal, Miriam, Sylvia, Misha, Jillian, Kendra, Ash, Brittany, Becky, Catherine, Chris, Montana, Laura, Crystal, Frau Holly, Jamie, Matthew, Tanya, and Jasmine. And thank you so much to all of our patrons. We... I promise we are trying to figure out more bonus content for you guys it is hard now that we don't have sexy time chapters but we are working on trying to align schedules when there are not screaming children and jobs and all those things getting in the way um but we will have more bonus content for you but in the meantime please enjoy hearing your name on our podcast and enjoy our undying appreciation for keeping this podcast alive and well we love you And we will see you next. 
Fire Whiskey Friday. Whatcha? Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire Whiskey and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.